Welcome to the third episode of Season 9 of Delving Into Dance. This episode is with the incredible dancer, choreographer, Paul White. The first three episodes of this season have shone a light on artists presenting work as part of Dance Massive. Dance Massive is a biannual festival that is happening in Melbourne in March this year. Dance Massive shines a light on the diversity of dance coming out of Australia. You've heard from Danielle Mitchich, the Artistic Director of Force Majeure, an independent Melbourne-based choreographer and dance maker, dancer and extraordinaire Joe Lloyd. These three artists have three distinct and unique histories in dance and provide unique perspectives about dance, life and process. Delving into dance, of course, has an extensive archive of other dance massive artists, including Melanie Lane, Joel Bray, Luke George, Anouk Van Dyke, Lucy Guerin, Stephanie Lake, and Philip Adams. This episode is delving into Paul's extensive work across the world, including with some of the most famous contemporary dance companies and artists. And we started our conversation quite casually talking about landmark worldwide and personal development. Well, my family, in in 2004, we all participated in this thing called the Landmark Forum. It's a three-day, three-and-a-half-day growth and development program. And um, I did mine in London, and they did theirs in Brisbane and Sydney, I think. And it sort of sparked off then this whole, like, we got really connected and close as a family and started getting interested in, like, it's the study of ontology, like the study of being. And so we got really interested in what we contribute and the impact we have on the people around us. And it's been kind of like a spiraling effect of that. Yeah, because I've read on the, your um, bio that you were... Yeah, it's cool. Like, I'm, uh, I'm uh, training to lead this course called the Wisdom Unlimited Program. And um, it's a massive course. It's got about 150 to 200 people from all over Europe. And... Um, yeah, it's going to take about five years to train to lead it, and I'm in, I'm coming up to the end of the first year. And uh, it's about community and art and spirituality and living a life of contribution. And yeah, it's really really cool. So, and it is from it's a well, the Wisdom Division is a sort of satellite company of Landmark Worldwide. So I did mine when I was with DV8 in London. The one of the people working for the company said, oh, I did this thing, and it's really... He was the assistant director. But at one point, Gabrielle and I, we started to have these incredible conversations where just our relationship really deepened. But he had done the Landmark Forum, and that's what had him begin to engage in these really cool conversations, you know, about life and what we're doing here, and, you know. And, um, yeah, so then he said, you should do the forum. I said, okay, whatever that is. I just went and did it, and it made such a huge difference. You know, it's like the whole premise is about letting, well, first recognizing what pieces of the past constitute your view of life and your view of the future and what's possible, and then being able to, through that process of distinguishing them, letting them go and have something new arise, you know. So that, for my family first and foremost was miraculous because it was like whoa I don't know who my dad is and whoa I've been like this with my mom and so much insight that brought us really close together oh how beautiful and then it had incredible impacts also on my career like I distinguished a a a decision I'd made when I was nine and I lost a trophy in an Estedford and so like dance became all about like acknowledgement and you know hunting something and searching for something 
And there I was like DV8s with 20, like the youngest person ever to work in that company with, ha with a completely dissatisfied experience of my practice and performance and ability. And, you know, it's like, Oh God, come on. If, if you can't be proud and be satisfied with what you're doing at that level, then you're never going to be right. Yeah. And, uh, it was really beautiful. I got to recreate for me completely what dance and performance and, and research was about, which was then like for me about the magic that happens in, in between the audience and the performer, you know, not, not one giving or wanting something from the other, but what happens between them. And then it was really funny. Then I just won like a bucket of awards <laughs> that didn't make it, that didn't have the same kind of like significance anymore. You know, it was like beautiful acknowledgement, but not, not something I was hunting or, or, or hungry for anymore. So it was really profound. Yeah. That sounds incredible. Mm. Hmm. I also made packets of money after that. I, I increased my salary four, fourfold within two years as an independent dancer. You know, I got really ballsy. <laughs> and, Do you need uh, that to be a dancer? I think to be, to be your own manager, maybe. Yeah. You know, it's like we have this kind of inherited uh, victim conversation as independent artists. And um, it's really fascinating. I've met a couple of millionaires in the, in the last few years. And one of them said something really cool. He said, if you want, uh, you get the money you need. And then he said, what does that relate to in your profession? I said, well, we're artists. We make, we make work regardless of what money we get, you know? And he said, so there you go. You have a little need for money and therefore you get none or little. You know? And, um, I thought that was really fascinating. And so also another good friend of mine, Solon Ulbricht, who was the partner of Tanya Litka. I don't know if you know of that story. He said, he gave me some great advice once. He said, uh, uh, negotiate a price that scares the crap out of you and then work to that level. Like provide what you need to provide to fulfill on that, that, you know, salary. And it was like, oh, okay. You know? <laughs> and it was amazing because then in, inside of projects, I, I was like compelled or, or forced by that to, to become more of a, like a leader and to, you know, work dramaturgically with the director and take on a next sort of level of responsibility in the studio. Yeah. That's really cool. So where did dance start for you? Uh, well, I grew, I grew up in Mackay in Queensland and my two older sisters were dancing. I've got two, they're like two years and four years older than me and they were already dancing and I just wanted to, do whatever they did, you know? So I literally ran into the studio and started to play around with my sister at the bar. And the teacher was like, you know, in Mackay, there were no boys. She's like, leave him alone, leave him alone. And, uh, yeah, that was it. So we just started when I was three and did all sorts of things like, um, tap. And I mean, at that stage, all you did was be a butterfly. I loved being a butterfly and I would, I refused to be a clown. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, just like a penguin and all that sort of thing. And then we started doing tap and jazz and vocal work and acrobatics. And and actually, I think it was like my, it was my heaven, you know, my, my self-expression heaven growing up in a small country town full of sugarcane farmers and, you know, where a boy that wants to go to kindergarten in his mom's high heels and speedos is not really accepted, you know. So it was kind of like a haven for friendship and self-expression and, and then, yeah, 
Eventually, my, my unfortunately, my sisters who in those days were more talented than me, they they stopped dancing, and I was the one left with the career in it. You know? And so, what was that point where you thought this is actually what I'm going to do for the rest of my life, or this is what I want to pursue for the next um, period of time? Mm. I actually don't have a point where that began. I think that's a natural. I think it came from not understanding really what a career or a job is at such a young age, and then like sewing, sewing art and creativity and dance into who I was. That then it was like, yeah, well, of course, if I have to make money, then I'll do it through what I what I really love. There was never really because I started so early. I think, and my parents were amazing, just incredibly supportive, you know, and not at all from an arts background, but with some kind of open mindedness to just support their children in education. Like dad's amazing. He says, you know, my job isn't to leave you with money. It's to leave you with education in whatever you want. You know? He still offers, if I want to do my RAD teachers, <laughs> teachers qualification, he's still like, you want to do that? It's like, no, dad, <laughs> it's gorgeous. Um, yeah. So I think it also came from them really supporting that. Yeah. After a really, you know, you've worked with so many different companies and moved all over the place. Um, and you took a big move, um, to Germany when things were really, I guess, kicking off in Australia. What kind of, I guess, sparked you to, to make that change or to make such a big shift? Hmm. Um, well, it was a couple of years after, so we had all planned to move back to Sydney and we were sort of, uh, to work with Tanya in Sydney dance company. And when she died, it was a bit like the rug underneath the feet disappeared, you know, in, in lots of different capacities. So there was some time of like grief and finding what to do. Cause we had sort of thought, Oh, this is our vision is to work with our dear friend who we worked so well collaboratively, collaboratively with. And then there was a point of kind of like, you know, like I was doing some pretty good gigs and I, I could sort of sculpt my year, how, how I, how I was with what I was interested in. And then it kind of plateaued in, uh, you know, like I'm someone who's interested in continually developing or continually learning and not having this, a similar flavor in life all the time. Um, and I kind of got comfortable in that, in that life, you know? <laughs> so I forced a change. I, I, I did something which nobody should do, which is go to Berlin in the summer and think that that's a re an accurate representation of the, <laughs> of the weather. <laughs> I was thought, wow, this is a haven. This is so cool. So I decided, I set a date and just decided to move over and, um, yeah, not, not realizing that winter is nine months long. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I just, uh, wanted to force a new language, force a new life. Um, what I then later actually in some of the landmark, uh, in the wisdom course, when I first participated in that, I discovered that there were also a lot of connections to Tanya and my relationship to the arts and dance that we had created. So I discovered in the wisdom course that when she died, I, I had also separated my love for or separated my relationship to the arts and the difference that it could make in society. 
and I, and I became resigned, you know, I also got really critical of art and, and of my own processes. And it was sort of like a little bit, bit by bit shaved off the, the passion that I had with it. And it's, it was fascinating when I got this cause it was like, wow, I moved to Germany where Tanya was born. I joined the Pina Bausch company and the, the company at that time was only about Pina's legacy and the past and holding on to that and who knows better and who knows more about the work. And it was this kind of obsession about, you know, someone who's not any working for someone who's not anymore with us in, in the live form, you know? And it was fascinating for me. It was like, Oh wow. You, you sort of just got attached to, to that reality or that dimension of grief and, and, um, yeah, and now it's eight years. <laughs> Can we talk about work when you w- were working in Pina Bausch's company? And obviously, as you say, it was a huge moment of transition and trying to, the company, I guess, working out what it was doing without, you know, Pina and what the legacy was and what the future of uh, the company is. And you would have been dancing in works that are so famous and many that would have been created before you were even born. That must have been yeah. quite a weird... I don't know, mate. Imagine, I imagine that would just be quite incredibly weird. Mm. Um, but also fascinating. Mm. What was that period like? Um, so I'd known some, some company members for quite some time, since the early 2000s, and was good friends with a guy from Venezuela, Fernando. And he sent me the audition notice and said, like, and all he wrote was like, maybe it's time now, question mark. And I thought, okay, I'll go and I'd, I'd love to go and see Wuppertal, check it out, see what the company is like. And the audition was so cool. There was like, it was only for men. There was 150 men from all around the world. And then we all started to learn the Rite of Spring. So you imagine like all these men busting out, busting out these Pina moves and I was particularly struck with the 10 core company members that were watching the audition and making decisions together. And I realized that they were in this beautiful, vulnerable place. They were, they were taking charge and and responsibility for something that they weren't trained for and had never, like she didn't pass on how to run the company, you know? And so I thought that was beautiful how they were working together as a family. And I thought, okay, if they take me on, I, I will say, yes, I think it's really fascinating. And I also thought, like, um, it would be a challenge to look what I could contribute to that particular, this particular era. You know, it's like being the, that would mean that I was the first one in six years to enter the company, first one not under her reign since like 40 years. And, um, actually at the, at the audition, they said, oh, like, if you come, you would be the guinea pig to see if we can translate the work without her, you know? And it was really difficult. It was one of the, uh, it's the longest engagement I've been. It was, I was there for four and a half years. And, um, on one side, I joined with a, a Brit called Scott Jennings and we were both very welcomed and also a threat to the company because it was like, we symbolized the future without Pina, you know? And, um, it was, I think a process for us to put ourselves in the work and also a process for them to be able to accept different looking and different being people in the studio and in the work. And, you know, there was a lot of like, that's not Pina. And, 
you know, you'll never be a peanut dancer. And then eventually it's like those two worlds kind of came together. And a couple of years in, uh, by the fourth year, I, we were performing Nelkin, which is it before my time or it might be 84. So I was probably one when it was created. <laughs> we were performing it in Amsterdam. I looked around and there were 13 new people like that hadn't worked with Pina in the casts. And I was like, Oh good. My job's done, you know? And, um, but you know, it's, who gets to run around in a dress on a field of 9,000 carnations or the Rite of Spring is the one piece I dance now as a guest. And it's just like, it's a happening. When you're on stage, you are, you know, at a war with the choreography. It's ridiculously fast. There's so much um, history and like the, the, the weight of the, of that piece and the music and, you know, even the, even the stories that are, that are translated in when we rehearse it, like, you know, we're really looking to sacrifice a woman and, um, the kind of richness in the works as just as a, in a performative experience is parallel to none, you know? So Palermo, Palermo, where you, you traverse a, a, a decaying, a ruined brick wall on the stage for three hours. And, you know, just insane. So it was special and challenging. Are there particular works that you really love dancing? Um, I love Nelkin. I love Carnations. Uh, it was really cool. We brought that to the Adelaide Festival in 2017, I think. Yeah, I saw it then. It was beautiful. Oh, uh, yeah. Stunning work. And uh, I got to play the part of Urs Kaufmann, and he's a um, a really like uh, cheeky, funny guy. And so it was really good to bring to bring that to Australia because I think also the you know Australians are also cheeky, <laughs> and to have some interaction with the audience was really fun. Um, I also love the Rite of Spring, and since I've left the company, I've now I now dance the male. The male solo, they call it. I mean, it's, it's a, it's completely a core piece. So it's, but, but that is like, that transforms, like that transcends what I know about time, for instance, you know, there's parts where I feel like we, I have too much thought or space to view things when actually in reality, the, the, the music is going so fast. And I think it's because of that, that historical weight and, hmm. Yeah, a lot of responsibility, I imagine. Or expectation. Yes. It comes with a lot of expectation. Mm-hmm. And, and I think especially at the beginning, they didn't know how to teach the work or how to translate it to people because it was Pina's responsibility always to do that. Um, so it's been, you know, I'm actually here in London to see the company perform tonight one of the new pieces. Uh, so not Pina repertoire. Um so it's been a, like a big learning curve for them also to be able to like give language and understand what, what is particular about the work and what needs to be, um, translated in order for someone to, to be a part of it. Yeah. Amazing. Having worked with like, I guess so many amazing companies and choreographers and both as, and dancers, 
Mm. How does that, I guess, shift over time your own practice or the way that you think about dance and movement? Mm. I imagine that each company stylistically can be quite different and that it must shift something. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I, I started out as a Vegas dancer, you know, at the Jupiter's Casino on the Gold Coast. <laughs> So we were doing Latin routines and, you know, funky jazz routines. And I was also dancing in clubs when I was really little with a guy named Robert Sturrock. I think he was in, who's around Melbourne now. Um, and I don't know. I think it's like, <sighs> that's a big question. It's probably also age appropriate. Now, if I look at my career, it was like I was at the casino where it was kind of fun and crazy and commercial and wild. And then I actually had an injury, which then meant I w- went into a different direction and joined the Queensland Ballet's professional year program. And that was then another whole world and realizing, oh, the ballet world isn't, isn't yet for me creative enough. I want something more explore- exploratory. And then, you know, sort of stumbling upon ADT and going, what is this? I've never, you know, I saw them um, rehearsing Bird Brain. I thought, I've never seen anything like this. I want to do that, you know. And so going there and then, again, a knee injury. Um, oh, no, actually, I had auditioned for DV8 because Tanya was already in The Cost of Living. And she said, oh, this is so fun. It's like a mix of dance and theater and you get to really explore and play. So then going there. And so I suppose it's like um, following a passion and then realizing that there's maybe something else to develop or, or something that's missing. Like in the ballet, it wasn't creative enough. And in the in ADT, it was beautiful, this kind of physicality, this, this wild physicality, but that also has a... a um, it's limits, you know, and so, I, yeah. So answer your question. In any yeah. Way. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a big question. And I guess that yeah. you're, you've already kind of indicated that you like a challenge and you like the unknown. So you kind of, you can even see that in your answer that you've gone to things that were different or seemed, seemed different or exciting. or were going to push you in other ways. I think the one thing that, that maybe I didn't say is that, uh, that for me, I'm, I'm totally hooked by collaboration in particular with friends. You know, it's really like this seller project with Nelly. It came from us having a great friendship and wanting to be in the studio and play together. And then through the, through that play and research, we started to discover, Oh, there's, there's maybe a work here and we could keep going, you know? And same thing with Tanya and Christina Chan and, you know, so it's always been very important for me also that the relationships with which work is um, built are really important. Even even producers, you know, like Wendy Martin, for instance, was always a, 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 good, a good ear and a great supporter and, a, you know, a supporter of the works that I've been in as well. Yeah, I interviewed her last year and she spoke very highly of you at a number of points oh, in the oh interview. Yeah. <laughs> we just, when we get together we saw, I think we saw each other last Sydney festival and it's just you know it's just beautiful intimate creative uh, conversation yeah 
you kind of almost um, preempted my next question, which is kind of uh, about creative partnerships and mm. particularly around um, the work for Dance Massive. And I'm just wondering how your kind of shared history of working together has shaped and informed. Um, yeah, so I've, I mean, I've known Narelle as a, as a friend for much longer than we've worked together. She came and taught at ADT. I remember she was pregnant with, must have been Eddie, who's now a superstar. By the way, you should check him out on Instagram, Eddie Benjamin. He's this superstar singer, bass player that's just uber cool and getting a million fans over the world. So And mega talented. It's like what he plays is so complex. Um, but yeah, we knew each other for, as friends for a long time and we both had an interest um, in dance film. So we ran a dance uh, short film festival for three years together. Very small, cute, uh, we called it Short Shorts. <laughs> And just loved that. But we also, I was in, she asked me to dance in, um, in glass, a piece of hers. And I think at that time, Nelly was really like, uh, sorry, Narelle, I should call her. (laughs) (laughs) Narelle was, she, she has so many fascinations and really clear interests and things that she, very specific things she wants to research. So it's really easy for her to write a piece or write a script or develop movement by herself in the studio and then, you know, piece it together with dancers. So that's kind of how it worked. I mean, In Glass was actually the first time, I think, where there was choreography in her works from the from the dancers, I think. Or it was definitely for her a step in that direction of collaboration, choreographic collaboration. And... Um, yeah, I think it's like probably because of our friendship and and then for, for both of us later, our interest in collaboration really developed. And also Nellie went, you know, went really into somatic work and through her Australia Council Fellowship, she started to really look at like experimental anatomy and physiology and a lot to do with the body and body mind centering and all of this kind of work. So she got an interest in all of that. I got an interest in, in like, uh, what could you say? It's like homogenous collaboration. You know, I'm not so interested in hierarchical structures of artistic practice. I think it's (laughs) absurd and, uh, (laughs) out of date. Um, and so when we came together for Sela, uh, the research of that, it, it just had to be based on, um, yeah, based on that beautiful friendship and relationship and, and the combining of our, of our interests. And it's really cool because I think, uh, my physicalities have in- influenced and my, my way of researching have influenced Nelly's and vice versa, you know, so, and you can see it in the work, you know, you can see this kind of mix of ages and differences in physicalities and sometimes we're sharing that and then other times it's really um, um, yeah, different, yeah, the qualities that we bring. And in, in making that work, because you are you're so heavily involved together within that and mm. often when people are choreographing a work and then performing in it, they kind of can insert themselves within that and stand back and watch or they have different processes. What's your process when you're kind of 
making it work like that and developing it with each other. Um, well, almost everything that we developed came from some kind of, um, like a research based interest. Like we were interested in the organs or the tissues of the body, or we, we did, did a lot of improvisations from this book, the, um, uh, human anatomy depicting the body from the Renaissance to today. It's these gorgeous Renaissance pictures. You've probably seen them. They're incredibly fine, detailed, um, anatomical pictures. And, and so we would improvise a lot. We, we would use, of course, um, video to look back, see what we found interesting, pick out the things that we thought could, could be of value. And then at some point we had, um, Tara Jade Samaya come and uh, you probably know her from Chunky Move with Anouk um, and ADT and many other things. We had her come into Vupatal and assist us as an outside eye and that was brilliant. She's a master in, in being able to articulate in uh, her feedback in such a way it's like, wow, it's, you know, it's really clear either what we... <laughs> it's clear that we, we're... we're uh, communicating what we wanted to or not, you know, she was a really great, um, sounding board for that. And, you know, there, there weren't many rules in the studio. You know, it's not like Narell was like, I work this way. And I say, well, I work this way. It was, you know, it was this very kind of organic unfolding of learning each other's processes and taking on process and giving and um actually i think i don't think we ever had one moment in the studio where there was some kind of altercation or disagreement i mean of course uh, our ideas coming together and bumping up against one another but never anything personal or you know about I threatening my process or identity or none of that kind of identity crap filtered into the work. And, and it's, it's just such an honor to perform with her. You know, it's like, it's like a sister for me. You can see that synergy in the movement. There's something mm. really profoundly intimate and close and mm. effortless. Um, was my observation. Was, yeah. Really. <laughs> That's definitely from the outside. <laughs> Probably not as articulate, but um, yeah, really, really amazing. When you come back to visit this work, um, it's about a year, year after it premiered, will it shift, will it change? How do, how do you, I guess, arrive back at a work that you've left for a while? Um, well, we noticed it was, it was uh, lighter to perform in Sydney, having done it the year before in Stuttgart. And I think that's like, that is the cells, you know, having a memory of, of that movement and those experiences. And therefore probably, you know, the, the amygdala response calming down a little and, and, uh, that, that muscle memory allowing, allowing us to enjoy the, the, the performance of that, of the piece more. Um, and the body maturing, I think also is really, 
It's like, you know, everything that we did between the last performance and the next one informs how that's going to be. We're not the same bodies. We're not the same people. So I think that's a really complex, <laughs> uh, like untangible, is that the right word? Intangible. Yeah. Yeah. You can't really understand that. And I, and I think this time around that we'll, that we're gonna, we've got two weeks to, to, we've given ourselves two weeks part time to, to get back the work, <laughs> loosen up the hips. Um, and we can't avoid, you know, extending the creativity during that period. It's just something that, that we take, you know, the research is the work and we're, we're researching still those themes when performing the work and experiencing them. So. It will develop in some way that I don't know how yet. Yeah, wait until we get in the room. Yeah. <laughs> what else is on for you for 2019? Um, hmm. So I've just done, um, there's a, a mask theatre company in Berlin called Familia Flirts, and um, they've been running strong for about 25 years, and they decided uh, to do a Liedabend, which is like a song evening in the Staatsoper, or the city opera in Berlin. And so I collaborated with them. I've known the, the company for some years and also taught at their academies and things, uh, movement. And that was really fascinating to work with uh, an Austrian uh, funeral march orchestra, the opera singer, you know, some really high-class opera singers from Berlin and Austria, and then this mask theater company with a dance element. It was this really cool collaboration. So we've got some of those shows still coming up. I'm also uh, got a couple of uh, residencies at universities. I just finished one in Ireland for the Masters of Performance um, students there. And that was really fascinating because I'm also bringing my training from, um, you know, my, my interest in, in ontology and how we function as groups and communities into those, into those environments. So we, they actually, my secret, uh, secret desire was that they took over the process and somehow set up a, a performance practice, which in which nobody led or followed that it was kind of reliant on every every cell on that network in that network of people creating together it was just fascinating i'm still figuring out how to articulate it so i want to also develop that i think there's some some great work to be done for i suppose you could say like yeah the the study of who we are when practicing and researching influencing who we are outside of the studio and then vice versa how we are outside influencing who we are inside the studio um yes i've got a couple of those sort of research residencies which is really cool i also have a big passion for teaching so i'm going to be teaching in berlin and frankfurt and not sure where else and um hopefully we'll be going no, I'm not going to say that. I find, out in the next, I find out in the next few days, so I'm just going to leave that one to the end. Um, but yeah, also lots of lots of time to enjoy travel and family, and I, uh, I have a gorgeous place in Berlin with incredible friends, and so I also make sure that I take time to enjoy that. Having travelled so much and moving around quite a lot, are there things that are 
like it's exciting you at the moment or things that that are happening within the dance or the arts world or wherever that space might be that you're kind of mm. vibing at the moment? Nature. I think I've reached a point where I'm not really interested in traveling to, to major cities and I'm just so attracted by nature. <laughs> and, um, yeah, and what, you know, we've got a lot of stuff to do here on the planet. We've got to sort out education and the environment and the importance and, and the integration of art in our culture and you know, my, my, the speech I was talking about my mum's going to give is is about the difference we can make as individuals regardless of our experience of ourselves. You know, it's like we make a difference and every conversation and action that we have or take has, you know, that has a massive ripple effect. So I'm kind of interested in yeah, exploring the difference we make as communities, and seeing wherever that leads me, you know. Thanks for listening. As always, you can find a list of episode notes at delvingintodance.com. You can find Delving Into Dance on Twitter, Facebook, iTunes, and now Spotify. Delving Into Dance is currently unfunded, and without your donations, we will not be able to continue. So please, if you like this project, if you like the interviews, if you want to support dance and independent dance artists in getting their work out there, please consider leaving a contribution online. Arts journalism now is more important than ever, giving a profile to those that make our lives that little bit richer. So your contributions are really, really welcome. You can find Delving Into Dance's extensive archive of over 44 episodes, including with the likes of Meryl Tankard, Raphael Bonicella, Judith Mackerel, and many, many more. Until next time, take care.